Ephesians 4, let's look at verse 11, and we're going to read through verse 14 out of the Amplified Classic. So if you don't have the Amplified Bible, look up on the screen. Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, and us as well. And his gifts that Jesus gave when he rose from the dead, his gifts varied. He himself appointed and gave men to us, some to be apostles. These are gifts from the Lord to the church. They're people with special abilities upon them to help the church. Jesus gave some to be apostles, special messengers, some prophets, inspired preachers and expounders, some evangelists, preachers of the gospel, traveling missionaries, some pastors, shepherds of his flock, and teachers. His intention was, now why did he give us apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers? Why are you being taught tonight by a pastor and a teacher? His intention was the perfecting and the full equipping. Notice, not entertaining. We don't come to church to get entertained. Because that won't help you in the evil day. Won't help you when you get a bad doctor's report, but equipping will. So we're here to equip, I as a pastor am here to equip the saints, his consecrated people, uh that they should do the work. Oh... (laughs) wait a second pastor we're paying you to do the work number one you're not paying me I'm on a salary the Lord takes care of us right Um, that the board sets the board of directors no no listen closely if I'm doing all the work I'm not doing my job properly because if I'm doing all the work where's the opportunity for you to hear well done at the end of your life you're not going to hear well done for doing nothing Right? We're going to hear well done for doing the work he told us to do and that we are equipped to do. Actually, if you don't hear well done, I ain't going to hear well done. Because that means I didn't do my job to help you discover and find your place in the church and, and reaching out. So it says here that these apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers are to help equip the saints that they, the saints, should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body, the church. Interesting. Do you see that, guys? Yeah. Now, I want to go back to the King James now. Can you switch from here, Helen? Just go to the King James in those verses right there. I'll give you a minute to do that. There's a couple things I want you to see in the King James as well. We've been talking about growing up spiritually. And a part of growing up spiritually is sitting under these gifts that Jesus gave to the church. Apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. That word could also be maturing of the saints, spiritually. Most of these people were already mature physically. A lot of them were mature mentally. He's talking about being mature spiritually as children of God. So for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, go on, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or mature man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Next verse. That we, Christians, from now on, henceforth means from now on, that we from now on be no more children. These were not physical, mental children. These were adults physically and mentally. He's talking about being no more spiritual children. All right? Tossed to and fro, unstable, unsteady, unreliable, carried about with every wind of teaching 
Just, you know, just gobbling everything down that's stamped Christian. How I many know oh, you got to... How many of you know it would be really cool if there was labels on, spiritual, on, on teachings that you hear in church or books that you read from the Christian bookstore, labels that told you truly what was in that teaching? Right. Huh? I mean, that'd be cool. What, what, little bit, 10% filler, 17% man's tradition, you know, 5% unbelief. 50% Word of God. Well, as we grow up spiritually, and as you sit under these teaching gifts and these pastor gifts and all these gifts, you're going to be able to discern more what's God and what just looks like God. What's right and what just feels right. What's really the gospel and what just sounds like something that would be in the gospel. And that's why we all need to be under these gifts so we can grow up and not get off and be steady and grow in spiritual things. Now, if you read the next verse, next verse, please, 15. Do you have it? There we go. But speaking the truth in love toward one another, this is how we grow up spiritually. Into him and all things, which is the head, even Christ. Let's read one more verse. From who? From Jesus, the whole body of Christ is fitly joined together. And we're compacted or held together by that which the pastor supplies. Oh, no, did I misread that? No, by which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So do you see this, church? Growing up has a lot to do with being under these gifts. And if you never go to church, you're probably not going to be under these gifts because that's that's where God put these gifts is in the church. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 7. <clears throat> now here, here's something that we want to talk about before we end tonight. We want to talk about connecting, growing up spiritually with what we talked about on Sunday morning. Reaching out to our valley. Being an influence for Jesus beyond these four walls. Bringing people to church with us. Expecting the Lord to meet them and heal them and help them greatly. Do you realize that one of the things of God... You know, we read that. Give to God the things that are God's. One of the things of God is us doing His will in bringing people to Jesus. This is really close to the Lord's heart. This is not a little or light thing with the Lord. Now, a lot of people, in a lot of church people, they think, well, it's not that big a deal that I bring people to church, you know. It's not that big a deal. I'm really not a soul winner, you know. It's not my personality. Ah, somebody else would do that. I don't have to do that. That's actually not seeing the things of God properly. A lot of things of God don't mean much to certain people. Going to church is a thing of God. A lot of people despise it. They think they don't need it. They think they're so mature that they don't need church. And actually, they're so immature, they're being deceived and don't even know it. Well, I don't need to pray. You know, my wife does all the praying. Well, you, you, you think you don't need to pray. But Jesus said praying is a thing of God. Hearing the word. Hearing the word on a regular basis. Jesus told Martha that Mary has chosen that good thing. And it will not be taken away from her. And the thing she chose was to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear good teaching. It's a thing of God. But here's the thing, guys. When it comes to... Attending to the things of God, you know, going to church, 
praying every day, reading your Bible every day, bringing people to church, serving in the church. Do you know a lot of people are so overbooked in their life that they just flat out don't have time for the things of God? And they're thinking, well, that's not for me because God knows I'm so busy. Well, that's not for me because, you know, my pastor, that's what, you know, he's getting paid for to do all this for me. And uh, Newsflash. The scripture said, you're supposed to do the work of the ministry, and I'm supposed to prepare you to do that work. So I say unto you, dearly beloved, if your schedule is so maxed out that you don't have time for the things of God, you need to recognize and get the, get the news flash. You, you know what the news flash is? You're too busy. Because the answer is not trying to cram the things of God in your already overbooked schedule. Because, see, then the devil will be right there and say, See, I told you, serving Jesus is so stressful. Serving Jesus is so hard. No, let me tell you what's hard. It's hard to cram serving God in your already overbooked schedule. That's what's hard. And it's not serving God that's hard. Jesus said to live for God and to serve God is meat and nourishment. It's supposed to set you free, not stress you out. The thing that stresses people out is they're so maxed out doing good things that they have no room for the God things. That are supposed to be in their life. I know we were talking to Blaine and Lori last weekend. Our, our guest minister, uh, Blaine and Lori Bartell, about some of these things. And he even mentioned some of it in the men's meeting about a day of rest. You know how God works six and rested one. I figure if God took a day off, mm, we might ought to think about taking a day off. Right? I like to encourage our team to take it really easy on Saturday night so Sunday morning you're fresh. And you're, especially if you're ministering or even just receiving the word because you usually rest up for what's important to you. I mean, it's really important what happens here on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. Well, we were, we were talking to them about the Sabbath and um, I was thinking, you know, what do you tell somebody who works 40 hours a week and then you encourage them to serve in the church on Sunday and they got to mow their lawn and take care of this and all this on Saturday. Where's their day off? Right. Or where's at least, you know, two half a days equal a day too? Like half a day Saturday, half a day Sunday. That would equal a day of rest. I mean, we understand that. You can mix and match however you need to. And I remember something the Lord shared with us a while back in some teachings about making room for the things of God. And the Lord showed this to us many years ago, and we've taken Him up on it. He said. In order for you to put, to put my things first in the midst of the rest of the things you have to do in your job and your church and your family and all this other stuff, he said, son, I'm going to need you to start believing me for finances to hire some things out that you've been doing around the house that are making serving God hard. So you know what we did? We hired uh, lawn, lawn care at our house. We've been doing this for years now, many years. You say, well, pastor, are you lazy or something? Oh, I'm not lazy. I did, I did lawns enough in my life. Plus, I am going to put the things of God first. Plus, what if your child was in the lawn care business? You say, we don't have no lawn care. They wouldn't have any work. <laughs> Nothing wrong with having somebody help you because you're probably helping them in the other areas, right? So we hired somebody to do our lawn. Why? So we'd have more time to put God first and not try to cram it into our already overbooked schedule. You know what else? We got a housekeeper. We did this many years ago. Still do. Why? Because putting the things of God first is important to us. We have people cook us meals at times. So we don't have to. 
You say, oh, you guys are lazy. No, we just need room to put God first. Plus, we want to bless those people. That's their job. Exactly. Use them, bless them, tip them. Yeah. I'd have somebody cook five days a week if we could. Not because Carla's not a good cook, but we're busy people. And we don't even have kids and we're busy. I mean, we got kids, but they're all away from home. Well, we do have a little kid named London. I forgot. We do have London, our little Yorkie. She's our kid right now. But sometimes you just have to think, you know, I'm going to put the things of God first. And if I have to hire somebody to do, help me do some work around my house so I can have Saturday as my day of rest and go serve in the church on Sunday, which is usually a few hours on Sunday, but I believe God's going to prosper me because I want this in the name of putting him first. I want this in the name of serving Him. He will help you. He will bless you. Who knows? Someday I may have a chauffeur in my Rolls Royce. <laughs> Laugh, church. It's a Wednesday night. Come on. <laughs> hey, he said, oh, I can't believe you'd have a chauffeur. Well, if your son was a chauffeur and that was their job, you would be glad I hired them. Right? And tipped him $100 a trip, right? I mean, you'd be glad that I used a chauffeur. <laughs> I'm not talking to anybody in here. I know that. You, you, all, you all dig it. Daniel chapter 7. Are you ready? Some people are just too busy to have place for the things of God in their lives. And the answer is not cram the things of God in. The answer is simplify. Come on, man. I mean, it's time to be aware of and start deleting unauthorized involvements. What do you mean unauthorized involvements? Stuff the head of the church, your Lord Jesus, never told you to be that involved with. If you do this thing right called Christianity, let me tell you what comes into play. His yoke, hooking up with Jesus, is easy. And His burden is light. People that are burned out and stressed out and they say, I'm so burned out serving the Lord. You are not serving the Lord like He wants you to. You might be going further than you should or have other things in your life that shouldn't be there making it sound like serving God is stressful. Jesus said, my meat, my nourishment, my satisfaction is to do the will of Him that sent me. Serving God is supposed to give you nourishment like a good steak dinner. Serving God is supposed to give you satisfaction like a, a good meal at the end of the hard work day. That's what serving God is supposed to do for you. Well, I've been serving the Lord and I'm so stressed. We've seen this happen in the church. We've seen people get so stressed in life that the first thing they cut out is their service in the church. Big mistake. Why would you want to cut out the very thing that gives you nourishment and strength and rewards in this life and the next life? Why don't we cut out something else like uh, TV time? Or some hobbies or things that we got going on that have no eternal significance attached to them at all. I just only can't get all these, all these. I can't get to the church every week. I can't get to the me, and I can't serve in the church. Well, question is why? Answer: You haven't made room for the things of God. You have to make room for the things of God. You have to savor the things of God. You have to. Be mindful of the things of God and realize, you know what? The things in this life that matter are what we do for the Lord, what we do according to His will, and all this other stuff that's just earthly and, and, and you know, carnal. Nobody's going to remember any of that 100 years from now. 
Daniel 7. Let me show you a trick of the devil in this area. Daniel 7. Look at verse 25. Now, this is talking about the end times that we're living in right now. Daniel saw this over a thousand years ago. He's actually talking about the Antichrist here. And he says, The Antichrist in the last days is going to speak great words against the Most High. And that Antichrist spirit, what's what's he going to try to do? He shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Everybody say, wear out. What's one of the strategies of the enemy? Get you so worn out in the last days that you're too tired to do the things of God? You don't have the energy. You don't have the money because you've been using it all on other things. One of the tricks of the devil is to wear us out. Now here's the thing. You ready? Here's the trickery with okay stuff. How many know you could be so involved with okay stuff that you're too tired to do the best stuff? Hmm? I call it disobedience in good things. That was probably, that was one of the uh, subtitles of the whole teaching, making room for the things of God. And you could be disobedient in good things. How many know Martha? Martha. Remember Martha and Mary? Hmm? Remember when Jesus and his crusade team went to her house one day? And Martha goes, wow, Jesus is here, and Peter, and John, and James. I mean, the whole host of the best preachers in the world are at my house. So what does she do? She goes to the kitchen, man. She says, i got to make sandwiches for everybody. i, I got to do, and the Lord didn't ask her to do this. How many think it's a good thing to get ready for Jesus and make a bunch of sandwiches and have some soup and some chili and some crackers? Huh? I mean, that's a good thing. You're going to give the Lord and, and his crusade team a good lunch. Well, she's in the kitchen. I mean, pots pans are flying everywhere and steam and all this stuff. Mary, however, her sister, is sitting in the living room at the feet of Jesus with all these other people hearing the Lord's word. Martha's serving in the kitchen. Mary's sitting and listening to the word of God. And Martha finally gets upset and actually comes out and rebukes the Lord. And said, Jesus, don't you care that I'm left to serve alone? Tell my sister to come and help me. That's pretty brass to talk to the Lord like that. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha. Now when the Lord calls your name twice, you might as well get on your face and start repenting. Martha, Martha, you are careful encumbered and troubled about many things but one thing is needful and Mary has chosen that thing that good thing and it will not be taken away from her basically he said I am not going to tell your sister to get up and help you you need to be in here sitting at my feet because I'm not going to be here forever now was Martha doing a good thing it's a great thing making lunch for the Lord that's a good thing serving is a good thing but she was in disobedience and she was all stressed about it. One way you can tell you're not really doing exactly what the Lord wants you to do, whether it's a bunch of other things crowding in, or you're just not satisfied. You're stressed. She came out of there all stressed and said, Jesus, tell her to help me. She was all frustrated about serving. There's a balance between serving and sitting. We need them both. Some people sit too much and they get fat spiritually. And some people serve too much and they get deficient spiritually. There's a balance between... That's why anybody that's on the helps team, you are required, if you're working on a Sunday or you're working on a Wednesday, you are required to be in one of the other services every week. 
And it's a serious deal. We've seen people fall behind and lose sight and open up to deception and all kinds of stuff and get offended because they, they started slacking in hearing. Well, we're not going to be disobedient in good things because that will burn you out. This scripture says here that the devil wants to wear us out. Why? Because we got a job to do. Are you kidding me? We are the end time church. We're called to preach this gospel to the whole world and then the end shall come, Jesus said. We have a huge, a huge job on our hands. We can't be burned out or worn out. You know, a lot of people are falling into sin and they're more susceptible to temptation because they're so busy, stress is making them more vulnerable to sin. And this is another reason you need to have a Sabbath in your life. Some rest. You get to this feeling of entitlement. Well, I'm working so hard and I'm so busy and I'm entitled to click on this site that I shouldn't click on or go to this place I shouldn't go to. No, that's called you being weak and temptation getting advantage of you because you're not resting properly. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 16. Look here. Matthew 16. Matthew 16. And then we'll look at verse 23. And I believe Helen will have it up on the screen. So, um, Peter basically just rebuked the Lord also. He just said, Lord, no, no, you're not going to Jerusalem. You're not dying. You're our Lord. You're going to continue on. You're our king. And Jesus was saying, well, I'm, I'm going to go be crucified, and I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise from, from the dead. And Peter's like, you ain't going to die. Uh-uh, I'm going to take a sword, and take, I'm going to defend you. But Jesus turned and said unto Peter, get behind me, Satan. No, he was not possessed of the devil. He was yielding to the devil like a lot of people do today. He said, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me, Jesus said. For you savorest or care for or are mindful of not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. You know, the more you grow spiritually, the more you savor the things of God. The more you care about the things of God, as opposed to the things of men like Peter here. Now, what was Jesus doing? Now, this is one of the strongest rebukes we hear in the whole New Testament that Jesus gave somebody. Get behind me, Satan. I mean, that's even worse than telling the Pharisees, you hypocrites. Mm -hmm. This is huge. This is a heavy deal. What was Peter trying to do? Peter was trying to hinder the Lord from suffering in the will of God. Saving the human race. Dying for the sins of mankind. Because Jesus had to do that. Or we wouldn't be saved. We wouldn't be delivered. And this was a big deal. How many know there's things are going to try to tell you? You don't have to suffer. You don't have to go the extra mile. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do... How many know when it comes to the things of God, we push convenience aside? And, oh, if I have time aside. When you grow up spiritually, you start being more concerned about the things of God than the things of men. Hey, here's just a side thought. We were talking at dinner tonight, and this thought came to me. How, how important it was for the Lord to go through with this, and how He had to say, Peter... Get behind me, Satan. You're trying to stop me from saving the world? Wake up, dude. And I thought, how, how, how important is it to the Lord to, to give a rebuke like this to somebody that says, no, you, you, you don't have to suffer, Lord. You don't, come on, there's got to be another way. You don't have to do this. How important was this to the Lord where he would tell his own apostle, 
get behind me, Satan. And I thought of this. Think about this. It was so important to the Lord. Not only did he rebuke the things that tried to tell him to go another way, he committed in the garden, sweat as it were, great drops of blood, resisted things that were pulling on his own will to go another way. And the Lord revealed something to me. He says, son, did you know that the seriousness of Jesus going to the cross and the seriousness of us telling people about what Jesus did are, are both equal. Because if he went to the cross and we never told anybody, they'd still be lost. Right. How, serious is it, how serious is it to bring people to church? Well, how serious is it for Jesus to provide the salvation that they're going to get when they come to church? Do you see what I'm saying? I don't, I'm not saying we have a more important job than the Lord by any means. He, he did the worst. He did the hard work. He did everything that we couldn't do. But if he just went to the cross and we never told anybody, would him going to the cross help them automatically? No. It's almost like our part in bringing people to Jesus to hear this word is just as important as what he did because without us, what he did wouldn't work for them. They wouldn't hear, they wouldn't believe, and they wouldn't go to heaven. We need to look at our part as the church and reaching out beyond these four walls as just as important as what Jesus did on the way to the cross and the cross itself. That's pretty heavy if you think about it like that. And so we need to start thinking, you know what? The, the things of God are a huge deal. You're not going to feel like they are. You're not going to always think like they are. But if God says it's a big deal, it's a big deal. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. You guys are really good listeners tonight. Thank you. Philippians 2 and verse 20 and 21. Paul said this about, oh, I think it's Timothy here. Paul said, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Talking to the church at Philippi. This guy naturally wanted to care for the church and work in the church. He didn't have to be coerced or, or manipulated or pushed. He naturally wanted to help God's people. And then Paul said, now Timothy naturally wanted to help you, but all men seek their own. Now notice, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. What are the things of Jesus Christ? Well, I already mentioned some of them to you. The one I want to focus on in the last few minutes is this thing called being a witness outside these four walls. Bringing people to Jesus by bringing them to his body in the local church. This is a thing of God. And we should savor it. We should be mindful of it. It's a huge deal to the Lord that we influence people for him. Why? Because the, the, their souls and the state of their spirits is more important than the state of their finances and even the state of their physical health. Right. Although we know health is available through the gospel, if you have only enough time to get them saved or get them healed, I say get them saved. Yeah. Right? All men seek their own. That means everybody has to deal with this thing called selfishness and me and mine and my four and no more and Everybody has, all men, see, that's a big statement. All men seek their own, not the things which be Jesus Christ's. Say, not me. Not me. Turn to Colossians chapter 3, message translation, verses 1 through 2. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 2, and she's already got it on the screen. Paul said, now notice this, this is the message translation. Paul said, if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Ha, that's a good word. 
Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. See things from His well, from His perspective. He wants people saved. He wants people healed. He wants people delivered. He wants people going to heaven. He wants people filled with the Spirit. He wants people equipped to find their part in the church. He wants people reaching out and not just being a drudgery. He wants people loving to do these things. I wanted you to see. I think the King James says, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, the things of God, where Christ sits at the right hand of the Father. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So, go back to Hebrews 11, and we'll start wrapping this up here. Hebrews 11, we went through this last week. It's talking about Moses after he developed spiritually the things that started to change in his life. Does anybody remember one of the main things that changed in Moses' life when he grew up spiritually? He started living by faith. Not by what he felt, not by what he wanted, not by what the world said you should pursue. As you grow up spiritually... You start looking at the things of God you know, as the number one thing in life, even if it's more, there's more uh, effort involved, you want it more than anything this world could offer you. So let's look at verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, when he grew up spiritually, what happened? He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused the treasures of Egypt. He refused a line to the throne. He refused fame. He refused all this stuff. Why? Because he saw something greater. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer. Very interesting things happen when you grow up spiritually. It's not all about things that make life more comfortable for us. It's about doing God's will. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Next verse. By faith he forsook the world, we could say, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now this doesn't mean you quit your job. This doesn't mean you leave the world. This just means you take Jesus into those areas, and he's number one, not your career. He's number one. Are you following me? Your career is great. God wants to use you in that area. We talked about the seven mountains a little bit. We probably ought to talk about it more. You've got to go out there with the influence of God. But that can never be number one. There's the kingdom of God going on all around us. All right, so two more scriptures. Acts chapter 1. Moses grew up spiritually, and he wanted to get people to the promised land more than hanging out in the palace in Egypt and being in line for the next pharaoh. I'm going to read that again. You, want, you need to hear this if you didn't hear it the first time. Moses grew up spiritually, and he wanted to get people, his people, to the promised land, just like we should want to get people to heaven. Moses grew up spiritually, and helping get people to heaven became more important than anything else on this earth. Even things that people would die for today. Moses grew up spiritually, and he wanted to get people to the promised land more than he wanted to hang out in the palaces of Egypt and just do his own thing. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. 
Jesus said, you shall receive power, church, after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and Grand Junction and Colorado and the United States of America unto the uttermost parts of the earth. This is one of the last things the Lord said to his disciples before he floated into heaven on clouds of glory. He said, I want you to get out in that world. I want you to go to the church, get equipped, get built up, find your place, and then get out there in the world and be a witness for Jesus. Be a witness for me. This is a big deal. This is a thing of God. And we're doing it this week. Isn't that exciting? Now, our making time and going out on a out of our regular agenda is a sign we're, we're growing up spiritually. I, wanted, I jotted this down earlier tonight. Just how many of you are working on inviting people to Sunday? How many are you working on that? Raise your hand if you're working on it. Good. <laughs> Praise God. Well, it's working. It's happening. We've got some people confirmed already and we're excited about it. Um, you know, if we brought four people each, we'd have 1,200 people here plus. Sometimes one person's attached to three others because they're in a family. We're on the edge of something really big here. Let's just go ahead and fall over the edge, okay? Um, When we're bringing people, here's the thing. One of the things the Lord shared with me about this and about bringing people is that when I, like, like you did tonight, even though a couple of these other people that are beyond the ones we know are coming for sure... Uh, one of them was on a phone call, and so they, they took your invite. This was a neighbor she brought a card to. The other one, uh, the husband was sick and throwing up, but you got, got to give him the card and said, hope you can come on Sunday. Um, the Lord just quickened to me about something. He said, watch out about believing everybody that says no. Now, none of these people said no, but let's say they did. Because somebody saying no does not mean God can't work it out to where they could, a yes could come on the scene. And if nobody's believing, I might Carl even said something to me tonight about somebody not being able to be in a meeting. And I said, well, um, that can change. If God has nobody to work through because everybody's believing it's over, he can't do much. I learned a long time ago, never accept a no just because somebody said no. When it's something you, th- you know would bless somebody or help somebody, don't accept a no. Well, they said no, and then you stop believing. No, don't stop believing just because you heard a no. Right. This is serious business. If you're the only one believing, God can still work a miracle. Right. And so I say give the Holy Spirit something to work with. Number one, invite Him. And number two, believe the Holy Spirit's working with that invite. Amen. Even if they said no, don't get out of faith. Well, no, I can't be there. You know, I got to work. No, I can't be there. Just say, well, praise God. Here's the invitation. And then leave going, Lord, I'm not accepting no as a final answer. This could be their salvation. This could be the salvation of their children. This, the things of God are more important than anything in this world. I'm not going to get out of faith just because I heard a person say no. Last scripture, Job 33. Job 33. And I want to show you this, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to close. We're going to actually pray in line with this verse right here. Job 33. Everybody's there but the pastor. I hope my shirt didn't distract you guys tonight. I said, Carlos, should I wear the shirt? It looks kind of funky. Job 33. 
I want you to look at verse 14 through 17. I want you to think about this and how we're going to pray for all those that we're inviting tonight and how God can deal with people in the nighttime. God speaks once, yes, twice, yet man perceives it not. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men, in slumberings upon the bed. See, God can deal with people at the nighttime. Then God opens their ears, opens the ears of men, and seals their instruction, that he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man. Interesting, huh? How many know the Lord can deal with the people we've been inviting? I mean, there may be some things that need to be dealt with. There may be some things in their life that God may need to deal with them about in the middle of the night. He can do it in a dream, in a vision of the night. This is why just because somebody said no, that may be before God dealt with them in the middle of the night. And if we're believing that God's still dealing with them and we're not accepting a no because we know they'd be blessed if they come, I believe he'll have a right to do this. Just because somebody said no doesn't mean you get out of faith and go, oh, well, next person, stay in faith. I've heard no many times. And God's turned things around and the answer came and things worked out. Many times. I mean, if, if, we're, if we're stopping believing every time we hear no, we're not going to hard do anything great for God in this life. No is just a two-letter word. How many know no today could be yes tomorrow because an angel appeared to them in the middle of the night and said, I need you to go? Right. You know why angels don't appear? People, they, don't, they stop believing when they hear no. A lot of no's are going to turn around to yeses if we keep believing God's working. God's answering my prayer. Lord, you're working with them in the middle of the night. You're drawing them by your spirit. They're going to be here. So stand up with me. Let's 